0: Hi, Matt. My name is Peter Doyle. I'm the CEO and Managing Director of Montem Resources Limited. We're listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. Uh, We've existed since 2017. We are a coal company, ostensibly. Uh, However, we've uh, run into sort of uh, delays in in bringing our assets to the market in southern Canada, uh, Alberta. And we now have a very, very exciting, um, renewable energy project that we are building or we plan to build on our existing coal assets. That's well, what I'm here to tell you about.
1: Good. Well, look, I'm glad to hear from you because it's, it's been a while and the, the kind of headwinds that you came up against were the, was the reinstatement of the Alberta coal policy. Um, you had to do some very quick thinking on your feet or die. So, uh, what have you been doing since I last spoke to you?
0: Yeah, it was a tough year last year, Matt. We uh, we had been working really hard and, and progressing quite well on our coal assets. Uh, we had brought forward the Tent Mountain mine to restart it, and as you alluded to, the government uh, shifted policy last year, and it became uncertain as to whether or not we would be able to bring that mine into, into or get it through the permitting, both Alberta and federally. So federally, uh, there was a new bill brought in in 2019 that, that allowed the Environment Minister to effectively stop projects if he, if he, if he decided that they weren't in the public interest. So uh, a large coal project next to ours, uh, owned by Hancock Resources, was denied its approval in June last year. And really, at that point, it became just too uncertain to to continue spending shareholders' money on on that. Um, and we have sought to, I guess, reimagine what we can do with our assets. Uh, we have some pretty unique and unusual uh, assets in it in the company. One is the Ten Mountain Mine, which uh, has some legacy infrastructure from when it last operated in the early nineteen eighties, and that's what we're harnessing to. To produce the centrepiece of the renewable energy complex. It also has other things uh, that are inherent to it. One is we, we own a lot of land in the Rockies, which is very, very unusual. Um, and that, that freehold title to that land allows us to, uh, we think, create what, what will be the largest uh, energy storage project in Alberta.
1: Okay, so you've gone from being a Coal company with and the track record of the management team, all about coal to building renewable energy complexes. I mean, have you got the relevant skill sets, knowledge, experience to be able to do that? Is this just talk? I mean, how do you make it happen?
0: Yeah, look, it's a valid question, Matt. Um, absolutely. So, one, we've gone and employed some really uh, skilled people, skilled power people to assist us. So, we we have. Uh, Created a steering committee, and the chairman of that steering committee, committee, Will Bridge, is the previous head of the Alberta Electricity System Operator. So, so the head of electricity here in Alberta. Uh, and Will uh, has, has uh, with him on the steering committee um, a series of, of experts in their fields, whether it be the engineering side of things or, or in a connection or environment, um, to enable us. To have the requisite skills to push this through. Now, the rest of the time, it's just project management skills, and, and it's a it's a large engineering project. So, yes, we we definitely have those skills in house to to allocate resources and to to manage the process of bringing these studies along and, and producing the the work required to, to understand the the business case and the and the the, the mechanics of of the the project build itself and to to you know um i guess uh, assess that and assess whether or not it, it makes sense as a business so we are we've pulled in the requisite the, the the required skills in the power side of things and and the rest of it we believe that as a board we have both uh, in the executive management and and our management the skills to run this this project okay at least up until at least up until construction um at which point you know, we, we will be a very different business to a mining business.
1: Right, okay, so just in, just in terms of some of the vocabulary, right, so um, you've done, a, you've announced a pre-feasibility study, okay, I assume it's got to go through a feasibility study, definitive feasibility study, kind of like mining, does it?
0: Yeah, the next phase really to push this into the front-end engineering design work is, is to do some additional geotech drilling. So the, the, our engineering company that, that did the PFS, Hatch, Uh, world-leading experts in this, um, found there are no fatal flaws, including in the geotech information that we have. and We've got a huge body of of information, as you'd imagine, over 5-years of redeveloping the site or or doing all the work to to restart the mine. Um, We do need to do about 11 more holes uh, just down where the the power station uh, at the bottom of the pen stocks is planned to be, and, and some of the pen stocks, which is the the conveyance system to move the, the water from the top reservoir to the bottom reservoir. Um, and from there, we would go straight into feed, which would include a feasibility study. And from there, we can then go out to, uh, to market to find an EPC. And,
1: but all this is going to cost money. Where's that money coming from?
0: Uh, that's a good question, Matt. So the next phase of, of what we're doing commercially is to find a partner. So we, we are in the process. Of uh, and it's the early stages of that process, but we believe we have a meaningful um, asset to sell. And as a business, we've decided that that is the most efficient and effective way to raise our our equity. That we need to get this through the next stage uh, and into construction. So later this year, we uh, we will we will invite participants to to look at our project and we've been in contact with many of the largest uh, power companies and uh, infrastructure companies in the world to come and look at uh, a data room and and to get into a process. And We hope that we will sell down up to 50% of the project. We would like to retain ownership of 50% of the project at this stage. And as I said before, you know, once we get into construction and possibly through construction, we'll reassess whether or not Montem Resources is the right vehicle to own the remaining half of this project.
1: Okay, I, 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 get, I get some of the difficult decisions you've got to make, um, but let me—I want to be clear: the, you're looking for strategic partners to come in at head, co, a pubco pub level, public, public company, or this be coming in at asset level
0: know, in an asset level, Matt, right, we, okay. we we will we will keep Pubco as the the listed company and and sell fifty percent of the asset at Ten Mountain. Remembering, of course, we still have a large suite of of coal assets outside of Ten Mountain. In fact, Ten Mountain's our smallest coal asset.
1: Yeah, no, I get that. But you know, where I'm going with this. What I'm doing is current shareholders going, "Oh my goodness, are we going to be diluted?" It sounds like not. We're, That's we're trying really.
0: You know, we we are trying. Uh, as hard as we can to not dilute shareholders any further. So, and we will continue to do that. So, we, you know, I've been I've been telling shareholders along the way this year about uh, our efforts to get government grants to to assist, and, and I can tell you a bit more about progress on that in a moment. We we believe that we can uh, effectively get a free carry through the next phases of work for the project through to construction.
1: By uh, by selling it. Okay, but like, sorry, this is a really exciting, bit, not exciting, but it's it's important bit, which is right. Strategic partner who may pick up fifty percent of this thing at asset level, right? And then I guess Pubco then charges fees on on top of that. Okay. Yep. You're gonna you're gonna move this through the phases for whoever strategic partner could be potentially, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep, and exactly then right. you're also talking about funding from um, Alberta government or various departments within Alberta. Government um, federally and pro- and locally is that is that what you're doing is that what you're indicating?
0: Absolutely. So so modern resources has uh, we've qualified. We believe we qualify very very well for uh, a federal grant through Natural Resources Canada, which the acronym is NRCan, and NRCan uh, regulatory body overseeing the transition of the. Uh, or the main body, anyway, uh, overlooking the transition of the uh, Canadian economy from fossil fuel-based to renewable energy-based. and One of the (coughs) efforts they're making is through the Clean Fuels Program. They have a grant system and our combination of the Pump Hydro Energy System, the Wind Farm with the Nation, hopefully, and the Green Hydrogen uh, Facility that that would be powered by the, the Wind Farm um qualifies us for that uh that grant program that's four point eight million dollars canadian we received a notification in May that we're through the first gate so we qualify they they confirmed that we qualify and the last thing that we heard from nrcan uh, in June was that they are seeking to award those um, those grants at the end of summer this year so August, September this year, we hope that we qualify for that. And that would take care of a large um, proportion of, of the required spend to do the feasibility study. So that is specifically to complete feasibility studies for the 10 Mountain Renewable Energy Complex.
1: And what's the dollar number on that?
0: Five million Round numbers 5 million Aussie, so 4.8 million Canadian. Is that it? I in mean, how, how much
1: do you need? I mean, what, what else can you be going after in terms of funding?
0: Yeah, so so the project the project spend there's there's an amount to do the feasibility study in the front end engi- in front end engineering design, and then there's an amount that is required to connect to the grid. So the it's known as the guac payment. The connection to the grid is around about six million dollars, might be a little bit more, uh, and that'll be payable sometime in early 2024. Between now and uh, then, the the project spend is around about 12 to 14 million dollars.
1: Do they commit so, to that sex now, so you know it's coming for sure, or do you have to wait until twenty twenty four to work out whether that's going to materialise or not?
0: No, no, that Glock payment is from us to the government to connect to the grid, oh, that will be part of. I was that, asking
1: that's I, of the- that. That's lovely. I was talking about where else. What other funding can you get from the government, federal or provincial? For your project, so you're not spending money; you'd have to raise money for you know. Sure. Whatever.
0: So we we have approached both levels of government, and we've we've made a complete ask of forty million dollars. Right. And these 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 numbers are very similar to what is being provided by the Australian federal and and state governments for projects exactly like ours. We have written to all all levels of government, as I said, and you know. Um, implored them to get on with this transition. That the, the government needs to create programs for energy storage. So something that that is that is uh, underpins, I guess, the, the 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 economic viability of this is volatility in electricity prices. So you pump water up the hill when electricity prices are low, and you generate electricity by running the turbines when electricity prices are high. Why are electricity prices in Alberta volatile? Because the, mo- the, the grid is moving from uh, fossil fuel dominated baseload power that was supplied by coal-fired power stations and they are being retired. There, there is estimated that by the end of 2023 there will be no coal-fired power units left running. Genius.
1: <laughs> what I've got, I've got to ask—I was actually going there, so the next question. Was around was around demand, right? So, in g- g- given the clean uh, fuel program that Canada is is initiating, and obviously Alberta seems very keen on removing all, all coal mines in in the um, in in the in the province. Um, where, where's this gap going to be filled from? Because if it's wind and solar, that's going to be quite an interesting conversation. Um, so, your your project. Can, can do what for them? I mean, are there going to be multiple hydro projects now in, in Alberta?
0: Well, no, there's not going to be multiple hydro projects because the, the topography just doesn't allow it. And you're sitting, you're sitting in London and, and our shareholders sitting in Australia going, hang on, you bang up against the Rockies. Well, the problem is about, or oh, I don't know what the number is, but it's, it's an enormously high percentage, say 80% of the Rockies is locked up inside parks. There are very few areas that it's privately held, and Montem owns one. Okay. And to have a perched water body, 300 meters up in the air below the, the valley floor, that is the asset that we own that makes money.
1: <clears throat> okay, so coming Those back to the de- demand replic- component, though. coming back to the demand component, then yeah. what is yeah. this delta that you can feed into? I, there's a, there's a need for it. You're, you're telling me, but is Is it going? Are you one of many people that are kind of trying to step into the breach, as it were?
0: Yes. Yep, we are, and all the other people are battery uh, battery owners. So lithium-ion batteries is really the only competitor to pump hydro energy storage. Uh, Pump hydro energy storage is about half the capital intensity of building a battery. A battery lasts about twenty years, and the pump hydro energy storage has capacity to last fifty plus years. And in fact, most of them. Are expected to last eighty plus years, so we last four times as long, and we're half as expensive. It's not really competition,
1: right? So the return on capital invested makes it cheap. So that's that's good, and it's correct green. I, yeah. So yeah, let okay. me just
0: let me just explain the demand. You, you're saying what? Why does the demand exist? So the first thing is the grid is changing, right? The grid in Alberta is one of the only. Um, sort of market-driven electricity, energy markets in North America. Most of the others are regulated. And what that actually means is every producer of electricity bids into the market their price on a 5-minute increment. And those prices vary uh, significantly through the day. It's quite cyclical. Um, When we get up in the morning and the power load's high, when we get home in the evening and the power load's high domestically, Power prices go up at those times. If the sun's shining and the wind's blowing at that time, that's great. But as you move from fossil fuels uh, dominated baseload power to a grid that has uh, dominantly intermittent renewable sources, you get volatility. So when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining, you must rely on either fossil fuel, nuclear, which there isn't any in Alberta, or um, battery and pump hydro energy storage. So you've got to store the excess power when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining, and you know consumers and the electricity market will pay higher price to get their lights turned on when the when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining. And that's simply how the the business works. It's an arbitrage on electricity prices per day. So every single day. We can run our one run the pump hydro energy storage system for eight hours, and during that eight hours, we will power almost half the houses in Alberta. Not the indus, not the industri, industry, but of the residential, about half. Not not quite half, but forty or forty five percent of the houses. So it's pretty amazing, you know, capacity to have. This is a big power system, and uh, and it's not lost on government, who I've been spending a lot of time explaining why. Uh, they need to help us, um, you know, de-risk the project over the next twelve months through the feasibility of feed studies. Um, de-risk is for it,
1: give me some money. So, are, are they inclined to? Ultimately,
0: us? ultimately, it is Matt. you know, like, uh, not only do we supply a needed service, I suppose, by getting to production, we we actually lower power prices. Right? People here are hurting about how high power prices are at the moment, and. Government, it's not lost on government. We shave the peak, right? Power price goes up. We've got plenty of energy stored. We start producing power, power price comes down. It's that simple.
1: Okay. So your your timing is is impeccable. Um, Let's just try and understand it because you said you could bring a strategic partner in and offload 50% of this project because you'd like to hang on to it. But ultimately, you're a coal company, apparently. So ultimately, you'd want to get rid of this at the point where it goes into construction. Is that right?
0: Oh, look, it's too early to, for me as the as the MD to say. You know, we we need to talk as a board more about it. We need to de-risk the project. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves on what we
1: will and won't own. Okay. Um, but how do you you're how, right do, you, how right. do you how do you finance it though? Because obviously there's three kind of big components to this. There's the pump hydro energy storage, there's the green hydrogen electrolyzer component, and then there's a wind farm you're talking about, obviously off-site, right? So but that's gonna need some money, and either you've got a strategic partner with balance sheet to finance that again at project level, or you yep. s- you sell the whole thing and get back to doing what you do best, unless you think The market for coal is just not there anymore. I mean, what what what's your obviously?
0: Obviously, I don't think that Uh, it's (laughs) it wouldn't be lost on you that it's pretty frustrating owning a bunch of very high quality met coal deposits on rail uh, that we spent five years investing on and, and we're not allowed to build them at the moment. So there's there's lots of there's lots of parts of answers to your question. First is It's unlikely that Montem Resources in its current form is going to be the owner and the operator of this as an electricity system. It is quite possible that Montem Resources in one form or another will will create a partnership with Indigenous peoples to to invest and complete a wind farm and a a pilot-scale green hydrogen plant. That's a very exciting part of, of the future of this business that I do want to talk to you about. And it is completely reliant on a relationship with the Begani Nation and the broader Blackfoot Confederacy and the Treaty 7 Nations of Southern Alberta. And I can explain that more to you if, you, if you'd like. Um, but yeah, our DNA as a company or, or what we were set up to do was be coal miners. Um, there's a significant um, body of, of, of skill at the, in, in the company on coal mining and coal, coal markets Have been and continue to be dramatically volatile and exciting. And, and prices are extraordinary for, for product if you're selling it. And unfortunately, Montem isn't. Um, can we sell the power assets and the renewable energy project rapidly and reinvest that money into coal? Uh, We think so. And we think that's a logical thing for us to do over the next 12 to 24 months.
1: Okay. Coal, Um, coal, I'm presumably not coal in Alberta.
0: No. We, we have a suite of assets here in Alberta that we want to work with the Alberta regulator and work uh, on land use planning and understand how uh, that can be ultimately developed into responsible mining. Okay. We, need, we need to be able to uh, be patient, be proactive and work with the government on that. They have given us uh, their undertaking to do that with us, but not just Monton, but us as an industry. That um, the, the land use planning that they would like to undertake to take into consideration responsible mining, and we want to work with the government on that. Outside of Alberta, there are opportunities. There are opportunities here in Canada. There are opportunities in North America
1: and in, in Queensland. Okay, where well, you're off to in a few days for a coal conference? It'd be interesting to see what the mood of the nation is at recall because um, the, the pri- pricing seems to be well volatile. All, in in, this sense, in the sense right. that you know, thermal and Matt seem to be mixing it up at the moment. Is that
0: right? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty unusual. Um, and and the you know the the news reports coming out of Australia is the Chinese are finally going to lift the embargo on Australian coal. So where it goes next, anyone knows. How accurate the public numbers are, I'm, I don't know because I'm not selling coal. Uh, I have talked to a few friends of mine who do sell coal. Uh, recently, and and the numbers are all over the place, but suffice to say they're very, very strong. Um, and it's an extraordinary situation where thermal coal is selling for more than met coal. Um, wow! You know that that's that's never happened in my career as far as I I, I can remember.
1: No, because um, it's and, it, and it's
0: unlikely to be sustained, right? Right. Um, are these offer of big numbers, right now, small numbers.
1: The so are, are these offer of big numbers, small numbers. Is it because of against sanctions? Restrictions. It's it's not a normal all environment. Amount, but right?
0: Yeah, no. There was there was a situation where the, the met coal price was three hundred dollars and the thermal coal price was four hundred dollars about a week and a half ago. Right.
1: But, but do you think given that you're given that Alberta's about met coal, um, do you think that met coal prices are sustainable? Do you think people are trying to design met coal out of the out of the system? I mean, again, we've seen all sorts of suggestions sent in to us. What's your reading of it? Industry. I think met, met coal prices are stronger for longer, Matt. strong for, for sure. Longer. Okay, so I mean, in, in, new, in new assets that you're looking for going forward, whether they're in North America, I, by that I mean U.S., Australia, and by that I mean Queensland, probably, uh, or anywhere else you may find it. Do you, are you after met coal?
0: Yes. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. We we part of our sort of uh, headline, you know, objective as a company is to be the owner and operator of met coal mines.
1: Not thermal coal, okay. Okay, so that that, actually let's 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 park that up. Coal is uh, in your DNA. That's where you want to get back to. So whatever financial upside there is to this this project that you are um, that you've announced today, the Tent Mountain Renewable Energy Complex, that money will be taken and used to identify. Acquire and build coal assets. That's that's why you're doing this.
0: Ostensibly, yes, Matt. But we would we would actually put it to shareholders. I think I, I think the the shareholders have had a pretty a pretty sore and sorry ride with us on coal here in Alberta. Um, and if we can monetize an asset, I mean, look at it's pretty it's pretty extraordinary in some ways that we can look at our asset base and turn a coal mine into something else. Okay. We own coal mines here and we own coal development assets. And we're, we're turning one from a coal mine into a renewable energy project. And we can monetize that quickly or relatively quickly, right? Okay. If, if, if we have uh, the confidence of our shareholders to go and reinvest that money elsewhere in the coal business, then, then we would like to do that. If we don't have the confidence of our shareholders to go and do that, then we would return capital to, to shareholders.
1: Right. Or a combination of both? Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that's, that'd be a nice position to be in. I don't know what these sorts of numbers involved would be. I mean, what, have you got any sort of sense at the moment or expectation of what that could look like? Well, quantum? Um,
0: yeah, we, we've been, uh, our lawyers and our commercial people have been hesitant on, on allowing us to talk specifically about numbers, like the the, the returns on, on investment for the pump hydro alone are very substantial with regard to kind of best in class, right? Infrastructure projects, when they're kind of 8% to 12% IRRs, infrastructure power projects, is people get excited and now people are excited. This project lasts for 80 years. It's an enormous uh, infrastructure, friend. physical infrastructure project <coughs> that costs a lot of money to build, and you know the way the way that we plan to fund that is 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 to improve the certainty, um, leverage it heavily, and find a, find an equity partner at the project level to to halve the total cost, and we think that that is a a, a project that then
1: could be extremely valuable to set. I get it. So, but you can't put a dollar number on is what you're saying? Lawyers say no. Well, we wouldn't be building something that didn't make as much as the coal mine. Let's just put it that way. Okay, understood. <laughs> I won't push you yet, but I, I do want to I'm, look. I'm, I think you've dug yourself out of a hole very, very quickly. And to you know, to actually put out a PFS on a project like this of this scale, this quickly. I mean, you know, Chapeau, well, well done, sir. Um, but. It's the, what, what, what are we looking for next? What are those kind of baby steps? Cause there's a little bit of funding required from government. There's, right. There's a little bit more work to yeah. be done. You got to find a partner, strategic partner who can put in a little bit of capital and buy up to 50% of this off of you. So there's a bunch of steps here. So what, what, what do you think we should be looking for next from you?
0: Yeah, look, the next six months. Like, obviously, we we come to the market in the last couple of days with our with our PFS results, and they're they're um, you know very good. It creates a, a, a an assessment of a project that has very strong returns, and we're excited about that. We've just signed an agreement with the Bagani Nation um, to do business with them, and we're excited about that. And the relevance of that is the wind farm, and, and the fact that we operate on their traditional. Territories like uh, the Bugani Nation are the closest, or the, the reserve of the Bugani Nation uh, is the closest to our project. We've had a very good relationship with them for a number of years, and they have a desire to be wind farmers. and We have a natural offtake for that wind, so it's a, it, it could be a very, very good partnership for both the, the nation or the, 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 the business of the nation and Monda Resources. Um, So, I would say look to that firming up over the next uh, few months and and announcements being made there. Okay. We haven't talked about the green hydrogen at all. Um, One of the outcomes Mm -hmm. of the studies is that at Tent Mountain itself, on the assets that we own, where we have freehold title, there is not enough sustainable renewable water. We have found 2 sources of sustainable renewable water nearby. And we would look to, again, most likely partner with, a consortium of First Nations to get that project at a pilot scale built. It also t- um, has strong returns. We're talking to two foundation potential customers for that hydrogen, and it will produce Alberta's lowest carbon intensity hydrogen. We're the only green hydrogen project of any So Can you
1: just explain what green hydrogen is? I know there people- Sure. So the
0: production of production of hydrogen, Alberta actually produces a lot of hydrogen already, uh, and they produce it. Um, By uh, conversion of natural gas is the main way right now. The production of green hydrogen is simply the electrolysis of splitting water into its component parts of hydrogen and oxygen. That's a it's a um, intensive uh, power use, and so uh, to be able to do it and make uh, at a cost level that's competitive with with blue hydrogen or grey hydrogen, which are the other forms um, or the other colours, if you like, of hydrogen. Um, It's not cost competitive at the market at the moment, but the government, the federal government is creating this, as I said before, the Clean Fuels Program, which is going to provide both a a, um, green credit advantage by producing low carbon intensity hydrogen, and a tax on higher uh, carbon intensity hydrogen, which will balance out the ability to make green hydrogen and compete. But, it, but it's a market driven thing as well, Matt, like you need companies such as really big mining companies with big truck fleets, uh, big uh, transport companies with, with large uh, semi-trailer fleets and or large um, transportation companies like a, a major railway, To buy into your project and be wanting to actually use green hydrogen, because then the credits go across into their business potentially, and they can meet their ESG targets. So it's a it's a carbon neutral style or or a net zero um, economy style investment. But we're on the cutting edge of it, right? The technology, the group that's looking after that for us. um, You know, we're using all third party expertise in that are, our, our industry leaders. They've, they've done this study, built a business case for how it can work. Uh, and we're looking for partnerships on that as well. So that's, that's another area investors can look to. I don't want to speculate on how long uh, a sell down process could or would take for our assets, but we've, we've, um, We've got that underway. We've built a data room, and and uh, we'll polish that through August, and open the doors to that to, to relevant participants later this year. Okay, and then and then beyond that, you know, we we are pushing very very hard with government. I've met multiple times with with federal and, and uh, local, you know, um, provincial politicians here at the highest level, and um, both federally and provincially, they're very strong supporters of. Um, the project switching off a coal mine and, and creating a, a renewable energy complex—it couldn't be more uh, on track with what the federal government want here in, in Canada.
1: Well, well, talking about car- talking about carbon credits. I mean, is there any credit that you will get for doing something like this, given the demand and given the need uh, for energy in Alberta? Is there any credit that you will get? Which could give a glimmer of hope of your coal projects ever seeing the light of day.
0: Of the coal project? Well, that's a that's an interesting sort of proposition. Like, um, I think the coal projects are on hold here indefinitely at the moment. I would say that that we have a willingness to work with the government. Um, We're respecting their decision to say, "Hey, the, the 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 planning, the land use planning, needs to be done more thoroughly." Um, to consider coal mining or responsible mining on the eastern slopes, and ultimately, it's not just coal mining, right? The the province has um, significant uh, critical mineral reserves that they're going to need to develop over the next couple of decades, and land use planning for for mining in uh, in Alberta is is just not in place in terms of credits for building the pump hydro energy storage system and. The the more broadly the the whole renewable energy complex do exist, um, and the government, the federal government, right now is considering a thirty percent tax credit. So thirty uh, percent of your capital is potentially uh, tax deductible after you go into commercial production, which would be a huge benefit, net benefit to the project. Like you would see um, two or three hundred uh, basis point uplift on your IRR.
1: Right, and, and and that's fantastic because we're talking about a you know, a, a big <clears throat> chunk of um, capital right here. The capex is is huge sure. on this thing, isn't it? I'm just remind me of the numbers.
0: I wouldn't say it's huge, and we haven't we haven't right. told you the numbers yet, Matt. But uh, we're looking for a 750 million dollar total build on the pump hydro. Right. Um, and we think that's entirely doable. We think maybe we can get it down a little bit from that. And it's, um, it's doable by
1: how? It's not doable from a 10 million dollar company. It's doable. Because of the strategic partners, so the strategic partners that you're looking for must be significant, must possibly be already in the game, must possibly know what they're walking into, right?
0: Sure. We we have over the last six months contacted all the likely participants in this, both uh, incumbent electricity companies in Alberta. Um, larger electricity companies operating across North America and Europe, big infrastructure funds they all know we exist and we 've had some inbound inquiries recently from some really interesting sources saying hey that's a that 's an interesting concept you 've got going there what What are you up to with it and actually, having a class four engineering study to show them they 're like, "Wow, this is actually move this long as you said before quite rapidly um, Part of the reason we can do that is because we leverage being on site for five years. Like we own this place, right? Um, we know we know the environment, we know the local people, we know the indigenous populations, we know the government, the local community. And everyone's behind us. Um, and some of the work that we did for the mine, like the geotech drilling, we can leverage and, and enable this study to be produced. That said, it's you know it's third parties doing it. You got to you got to project manage that and make sure the consultants are delivering. And, you know, it is, it is a big amount of money, but, it, but, it, but it, you know, it's not, it's not all due next week either. It's, it's, construction is slated to begin on this at the end of 2024. So that's when the real money starts. Um, between now and 2024, as I said before, we, we believe we can, we can have effectively a free carry through that period by selling part of the project now and have a, have a, uh, a kind of bullet payment at the end.
1: Right. Okay. Um, and so, and um, didn't mean to make it sound like this was big and unattainable. It's just big for a small company. And as long as we're clear about exactly how this thing gets funded, that then that's fine. You know, there, there, are projects like this in Australia, Oregon, you know, Montana, Wyoming, um, of a, of comparable levels, if not bigger. And I think, you know, Georgian Bay in Ontario was, you know, four, four and a half billion. So I, I just want to understand that you understand what you're going to need to do to get this thing built and more importantly for the people listening to this make sure that they understand this thing is doable and not just a flight of fancy to kind of distract from you know what's going on with the cult projects and not and what's going yeah. on in the markets yeah right? look it's
0: it's I, I it's definitely not a flight of fancy Matt you know we we as a company need to uh, be honest with ourselves about the passage of, you know that we've had it's been extremely difficult um, this is really exciting. We're invigorated about it. This is a real thing that we can produce and, and succeed in, in bringing to market over the next couple of years. And um, it's, it's nothing like a flight of fancy. This is is completely unique. Will Bridge uh, took four months assessing it with us, and then finally met with us during COVID and said, "Gentlemen, you have a unicorn." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, this just doesn't exist anywhere else." Now no one else owns land with a perched water body eight kilometers from the electricity grid it's just it it's not just unusual it's unique it cannot it cannot be replicated um so it's for us to monetize that really and uh and that's what we've set ourselves a task to do and um as I said before, ideally we'd own half of this when it when it goes into production you know owning something that 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 returns High single-digit IRRs or, or low uh, low teen IRRs um, over an eighty-year period is pretty extraordinary. Well, um, it's,
1: it's it, well, it's interesting to me, and that's the, that's what kind of caught my eye was because that kind of annuity stream is something you can borrow against, right? You, you, you can, not you, you, you know, and I think that's that. Um, Brings optionality to, to the project, you know, plus 50 year project. If it's 80 years, you know, mm. whatever. Mm. Um, that's really interesting. That's really interesting, Peter. Well, look, um, look, I just want to catch up because it's been a while since you spoke and obviously seen, seen this, uh, PFS come out. It's, uh, exciting times for you guys. Um, now you got to just deliver and regain the confidence of the, um, the shareholders that you know what you're doing and you, there's a clear, um, path forward and you, that you're in control of it. Um, all and all the time done in a market where very few people care about any kind of announcement, it seems. It's, it's tough out there. What's your, how do you feel about no, it? Oh, sure, man.
0: Look, we, we, we've got a little bit of money left in the bank to sustain us uh, through this next process. Um, we have, I, I totally understand what you're saying about our shareholders and, and the market itself. I'm heading to Australia uh, tonight to, as you said, go to a coal conference to see our major shareholders. Uh, and to meet with some prospective new shareholders. Uh, hopefully, they'll get excited about this announcement as well. Um, I'll come back here in, in later in August and uh, we'll get on with the business of, of, of turning this into money. Brilliant. Peter, thanks very much. Thanks, Matt.